0: Pod Pod.
1: Pod. Hello and welcome to Pod Pod. I'm Rihanna Dylan. I'm your host, and this week I am more sober than I was last week. I'll be honest, because of course (laughs) last week we were recording from the British Podcast Awards, which was a brilliant night. It was so much fun to be in person as well and seeing Mm. all these brilliant podcasters and producers in the flesh for a change instead of listening to them. So that was great. This week, we are talking to the hosts of This Paranormal Life. So that's Rory Powers and Kit grimm Incidentally, the podcast is both a British and Irish Podcast Award winner. The series delves into, as you would expect, all elements of the paranormal and Rory and Kit explore stories from all over the world. They kind of revision and interrogate along the way, along with like a healthy dose, I would say, of scepticism. But before we get to them, I'm joined this week as ever by Reem Macari and Adam Shepard. Hello,
0: guys. How are you doing? Hello, Hello. I've just about recovered from the British Podcast Awards. Excellent. Took me about two days to yes. do so, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm back at a hundred percent.
1: I think, Reem, I reckon your hangover must be slightly less because you're younger than us. So, how was your <laughs> recovery? <laughs> they,
2: thankfully, I feel fine. I was fine the next day. Uh, we you hate know. you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest,
0: for me it was less the hangover and more just the the stress of, like having to to get on stage and and sort of keep all the various plates spinning i think that night probably took about two weeks off my life just in stress <laughs> alone
2: i think i started to black out at one point just like with the amount of small talk and then just seeing <laughs> my my body from the outside in co- conversation with people and me not actually being there that's <laughs> so funny Why? Well,
1: Loved, was just seeing so many people from different walks of life. You know, if you've been in the podcast industry a long time, then you do, you see people that you met like 10, 15 years ago, and it's such a joy to kind of have everybody mm. all under one roof, the sort of the old guard in the new, it was like, that's kind of something that I am particularly fond of when it comes to the BPAs.
0: Mm. So we're also running an event in partnership with City University of London, where we'll be hearing from some of the gold winners from this year's British Podcast Awards. That'll be on the 25th of October at 6pm. And that's a free to attend event. Uh, tickets are available on the City University of London website. We'll put a link in the description. And yeah, come along, hear from some of the winners from this year about the secrets to their success. Very cool.
1: So this week, I really weirdly, I just opened my Spotify and it was like, would you like an audiobook to go with your music? <laughs> so,
2: what is going on at Spotify? Spotify has introduced audiobooks for premium subscribers. So, they had them already on, on the platform before, and people could kind of buy them in addition to their subscription. Mm-hmm. But now, every subscriber in the UK and Australia can get 15 hours of free listening for audiobooks. I think it's over 150,000 select titles, which is really cool because then you don't have to pay anything additional. Mm-hmm. But then someone made the point 15 hours is not really that much. <laughs> you no. can maybe get through like one book, but yeah, it's it's not going to give you that much. But it is on a rolling monthly basis and they're really trying to bring users to come and go back to the Spotify platform and and especially since now they they've started to make their podcasts, their originals more Widely distributed across all major podcast platforms. They've removed the exclusivity over that. And this is another way to bring more subscribers to Spotify. So UK and Australia only,
1: Adam. Why do you think they're starting there? How do you think it's going to affect the rest of the world as well?
0: Other territories are coming later down the line. I believe US is planned for later this winter. But as for why they picked the UK and Australia to start with... As uh, a complete guess, I would say that it's probably a mix of licensing arrangements, and it's possible that the audiobook market uh, in the UK and Australia is just a little bit more mature than it is in the US. But that is a piece of wild speculation on my part.
1: Is this something that you're going to be taking advantage of, do you think? Are you an audiobook aficionado?
0: Frankly, I've got more than I can keep up with in terms of podcasts.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. I absolutely love audiobooks. I listen to them a lot. An audiobook is something, again, like with podcasts, that I can do hands-free mm. or drift off to sleep listening to and that sort of thing. I think it's time now to speak to our guests this week, Rory Powers and Kit Grimal who were both a lot of fun. We spoke to them before they went on their world tour, and that's still available. They've only just started that. You can get tickets for the rest of October if you're in the US, Northern Ireland or England. It's perfect for Halloween, obviously. So here they are, this paranormal life, talking to me and Adam.
3: Rory and Kit, welcome to PodPod. How are you both doing? Doing great. Excited to be here and uh, talking about our favourite thing in the world, podcasts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's lucky. It's also our favourite thing. So hopefully (laughs) the next hour will be fantastic. So we're here to talk all about this paranormal life. And as is the tradition of Podpod, I feel like this more than ever must have been such a great origin story. So tell us how this paranormal life came through. How did you both figure out that this was something that
3: you had in common? Kit and I have been working together for a really long time in in a lot of different creative avenues. Essentially when Kit first moved to London and we were in the same city together, we we always knew that we wanted to make a podcast together, but we didn't quite know what we wanted it to be about. I mean this was, you know, five years ago or so, back when podcasting was still felt like a bit of a niche. Mm. So we were quite excited to kind of get into the space, but of course it meant figuring out what we wanted our weekly podcast to be about. And we had a, a few different ideas for shows. The most infamous one, being a podcast where we would get parents to send in their children's artwork and we would make fun of it on the podcast essentially like roast the hell out of it
1: children do need roasting more I feel like that does not happen enough everyone gives them an easy ride exactly (laughs) this
4: should speak to you Rihanna as a critic you know I'm sure you're just every week dying to do this yeah absolutely
1: just tear children to shreds as a critic it is all I want from life you know
3: because everyone says oh yeah what a good job you did. Yeah, it looks so real. No, it doesn't.
4: Yeah. Is it? No, though? it doesn't. Is that, is that Dada and a doggy? Mm. We beg to differ.
3: Yeah, it looks terrible. The, the problem with that idea being, of course, podcast being an, an audible medium, mm. it would be quite hard to incorporate children's artwork pictures into the show. Kind of the, the backup idea that we had was another topic that we knew that it didn't matter who you were. Everyone kind of has this guilty pleasure uh, and this guilty kind of interest in the paranormal, whether it's ghosts or UFOs or cryptids. So we decided to create this show where uh, Kit and myself said Mm -hmm. from the start that we were quote unquote professional paranormal investigators. (laughs) And the irony is after five years, we kind of have become professional (laughs) paranormal investigators.
4: You live long enough to become (laughs) the villain or whatever.
1: (laughs) So was that, were you kind of thinking of yourselves as characters in that regard then when you first started and how has that evolved over the past few years?
3: Yeah, it's funny you say that. That's definitely the balance that we've always kind of struggled with a little bit on the show. I think we do kind of, the the, the people, the characters that we are on the show is essentially ourselves, but dialed up like 50%. You know, so we're just, uh, it's that kind of sweet spot of, of being characters, but then having these moments where we can be quite authentic and be ourselves.
4: Yeah. Like, like I would say, you know, it's a perennial for anyone kind of listening and whether they're podcasters or working in the, the medium, but it's like, you know, it's like a common theme, this idea of like authority, like, you know, who, who has the authority to tell a story, who has the authority to present a topic. But we didn't have that. So we needed to we needed work around. <laughs> and now, as Rory says, strangely, we kind of do. But I, I think it's a nice story because, yeah, we didn't let it stop us at the time. We just had to think about how to present it.
3: Yeah, and, and that was kind of the nice thing about it as well is with podcasting, you you don't really need authority. It's kind of, it's such an independent uh, art form that anyone can do at any point that you know, all those years ago when we started it, recording in just bedrooms after work late at night, and uh, editing and uploading ourselves, it felt just so like DIY and you know rough and personal and cool. That um, it's a, it's a miracle now that it's blossomed into this thing all these years later.
0: Because mm. your childhood friends, right, was paranormal stuff, something that you've both kind of been into and talking about for the whole of that time
4: well no but (laughs) i'll paint a little bit of a picture a bit of context in secondary school because this was in northern ireland we had a class a class that was on paper i believe supposed to be irish class they would teach us irish you know but they would maybe weave in like a bit of context like oh this is why this place is called this thing our teacher took it upon herself to derail that glass fully into like the paranormal. <laughs> I, we, we were studying where leprechauns came from, how to hunt down a leprechaun, how to protect yourself from a doulahan, a banshee.
1: Oh my goodness. I, I,
4: you know, I don't know if the statute of limitations is up. I hope she's still teaching, but you know, so the, the seed might've been planted that these things were real very early on.
1: <laughs> Wait, so how do you hunt down a leprechaun uh, with a big net?
4: Yeah. A uh, shillelagh, ideally. A shillelagh would be the traditional tool. It's kind of a, it's just, I mean, it's a fancy Irish word for a big stick. <laughs> and I think you can <laughs> hit, hit him with a shillelagh, ideally.
1: Was it always sort of, because I, you know, you listen and you sort of think, you can't tell if you're poking fun at the paranormal, if you're poking fun at each other, if you're poking fun at just at people who believe in the paranormal and it's, it's a really interesting mix. So is that something that you arrived at quite organically or were you like, actually, we need to take an angle on this?
3: No, uh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's something that we are always conscious about, you know, as people who talk about the paranormal, we, we like to see the show as uh, it's, it's, it's kind of for everyone. It's for the skeptics. It's for the believers. Uh, we make a deliberate point to just enjoy these stories as much as we can uh, alongside everyone else and i think that's where the fun comes in is no matter how ridiculous the story is that we're quote unquote investigating that episode we always try and go in with an open mind with you know no prior agenda i think uh, usually because we take it in turns to host Typically the dynamic we fall into is the individual hosting the episode, is the believer, you know, the one pitching this story, trying to convince the audience and bring it to life. And then the the other person kind of plays the role as the skeptic who can either poke holes in it or, you know, a lot of times they get swept up in the story as well, and we're just having a great time.
1: How does it divide up with those stories then? Do you find that you naturally gravitate towards one kind of subgenre of the paranormal more than the other?
3: Yeah, we get roasted a lot by our audience because we naturally, I think just to due to our own interest, gravitate a lot more towards kind of UFO stories, alien stories, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Whereas we're a bit more critical of the legends involving ghosts, for example, or mm-hmm. cryptids, you know, like Bigfoot or Mothman or creatures like that. But we, we try and do a nice a nice spread and and you know cover all the topics.
4: As an example, you know, we we try our best in, in total earnest to present kind of as compelling a case as possible every week, you know, and sometimes that takes the form of like, Rory investigated a fantastic UFO case recently called Shag Harbor uh, UFO, and it, it was a really harrowing tale of military witnesses and all this, and the episode is clocking in at our usual hour long or whatever. I, on the other hand, notoriously presented uh, an episode that clocked in at 19 minutes, I think, about a talking <laughs> mongoose. Um <laughs> And the audience has really never let me live that one down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of the audience, then over the last couple of years, you guys have built up a pretty sizable following with, I think, over 17 million listens and a Patreon community that clocks in at over two and a half thousand people, which brings in, I think, over 13,000 pounds per month, uh, according to the Patreon page how has that grown over time because that's a, a pretty impressive set of figures
3: yeah it was it was i think it's it's funny now when people uh look at the stats and you know look at the audience and it's kind of a mystery as to how it happened but uh you know kit and i have you know from doing this for so long i remember when we first launched the patreon and i think by that point we'd already done 50 episodes of the show all written, performed, edited, and posted by ourselves. And the Patreon, when it launched, I believe was making about 150 bucks a month. And that was kind of just enough at the time to justify spending our nights every week, you know, making this show. It really was a labor of love. And I think. I think because of that, and people could kind of see how much we were really enjoying making this show every single week, it's just naturally, you know found this, this audience. because as I said, you know, even though we're deciding whether or not we think something is real or not, we're a very like friendly, welcoming podcast, not too critical of anyone or their beliefs. And I think because of that, we just found this amazing audience who' have been so supportive and followed us uh, over the years.
4: Yeah, it's probably worth saying that it has been pretty, like Rory says, pretty much grassroots, pretty much just organic that whole time. I mean, there's been, like for any podcast, little bumps here and there. We won a British podcast award in 2019, uh, you know, and, and that really helped because, you know, I guess the way we were presenting ourselves or maybe the topic, we didn't have a lot of press up to that point. And that really helped things kind of overnight, just get in front of more people. But other than that, when we look back, it, it's been really, really gradual, really gradual.
0: Hmm. So does that money then get reinvested into the production of the podcast? I mean, off, uh, off mic. You guys are talking about the fact that you've just moved into a new studio, for example.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we should we should say now. You know, our podcast. If you haven't heard it before. Is, you know, compared to other podcasts, pretty high production, I would say. Every week we investigate a new story, which is essentially a scripted retelling of certain paranormal events but the way that we tell them is we bring the stories to life uh, while you're listening to them. So if someone goes down the stairs at night, you hear the crickets and the floorboards creaking. If something's rattling on the window, you kind of hear it in your ears. We really do our best to make it feel like you're immersed in these stories, which makes it so much funnier than when we have the hard cuts to be like, all right, stop right there for a second. That's ridiculous. But because of that, you know, as the the show has grown and become more profitable, we've essentially taken as much money uh, as we can to reinvest it in the show. Because of that, we've been able to get um, you know a researcher, a full time editor, and video producer. We've been able to start filming the show. We have our own small, sure. But cozy, I'll say, cozy, <laughs> intimate uh, studio now where we get to record and we've kind of built our own set. So it's, it's all of these amazing things that we simply wouldn't have been able to do without the support from the audience.
4: Just like the audience growth, it's been extremely gradual. You know, in the very beginning, me and Rory had kind of a particularly brutal production schedule. In the very beginning, we were doing two, two of these episodes a week and we were doing all the writing and editing ourselves. Oh, wow. As soon as we had, as Roy says, the hundred bucks uh, coming through on Patreon, that went straight to our, at the time, longtime editor. Cami Toman, who edited the podcast for a really long time. Uh, next up was uh, bringing researcher Amy Grisdale on board. And then, I mean, it was years until it became either of our jobs, maybe four years, at least three, certainly. We were both just working full time. And then eventually I was able to swap over and Rory did something similar around that time. And then, yeah, it's been really, really extremely recently. We've got the studio and finally hiring kind of full time staff. So, yeah, we're still we're we're really wrapping our heads around it because that's the thing with podcasting. You never really get to stop and take stock when you're doing a weekly show. It just you're you're on the hamster wheel kind of.
3: Mm. And I know that a lot of people will be listening to this podcast. So they won't be able to see right now that, yes, Kid and I both have Rolexes, uh, golden chains, and I actually have a little crown on. But I assure you that's done through separate finances. That's no reflection of how the money is spent on the show.
4: It's all clarinet, to be quite honest. Yeah, Lots and lots of miniature Swedish payments.
1: Well, Rory, the crown looks great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really interested in the the structure of your podcast, because like you say, you, do, you have the sound design, you have the the retelling, which is obviously scripted. And then you have very, very, very much not scripted bits in as well. It's such a great mix listening to all of that. So when you first were kind of developing the idea and your two really good friends, really old friends as well, were you aware of, you know, being too cliquey or how to bring audiences into a pre-existing relationship? Because I always think that must be particularly tough without being too in-jokey, I suppose.
3: Yeah, we at the time, we were listening to a lot of podcasts. There was a lot of comedians that we liked that were kind of dipping their toes in the space, and we did a ton of market research to kind of see what was out there, what kind of hole hadn't been filled yet, and whether or not it was something we wanted to do. So from the get-go, we knew that this kind of extra level of audio production was something that we we really wanted to do. And it's it's kind of funny, actually. I was listening to the recent episode you guys did with Adam and Joel on uh, like audio fiction.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Boom, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there's definitely a certain amount of that that we bring into our own shows. I think mm. when we're doing the sound design and doing the bits that are more scripted, in my head, it's like I'm listening to the video version of it. You know, it's Mm. almost as if you have your head just turned away from a television screen and you're listening to the scene play out in your head. So I think we knew it was always going to be funny to have this kind of really high production, incredibly immersive stories that are broken up between this kind of friendship chemistry. And the nice thing about it is, you know, because as you said, Kit and I have known each other for so long, we're, we're not afraid to be a bit more like, I think, cutthroat we know each other so well that it's like i think people really it's the same way a lot of people talk to their really good friends yeah you're really mean to each other (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah you should hear the stuff he says off mic when we hit stop recording it's brutal
4: yeah you're gonna have to head to patreon.com to hear that stuff oh yeah
3: but it just means when people are listening to the show i think for a lot of people it can feel like they're the third friend hanging out, you know, with with two people talking about these things.
4: I think this is something we can't take credit for in terms of the accessibility of it. I always find it fascinating where podcasts find their audience because, you know, it's like releasing a podcast, especially back in the day when we did it. And before that, you know, you're putting the RSS out there and it feels kind of like just, I don't know. Yeah. Releasing birds into the sky, seeing what happens. You have no idea where they're going to land.
3: You're probably going to get shit on.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, That's a part of it. Yeah. That's the iTunes reviews right there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you, you don't know who it's going to resonate with. And a kind of accidental thing on our part is we have this strange thing of, you know, we grew up in Northern Ireland but Rory is American by birth, you know, and, and has lived there and so on. And then we're recording releasing the show in London. And that's certainly not unique to us, but it kind of created this smoke screen of no one could really figure out where we were from. And kind of Americans felt like, you know, close enough to it culturally that mm-hmm. they could listen. But then people listening in the UK, you know, they get all the references. And when Rory talks about spicy knickknacks, you know, they feel at home. <laughs> so it, it has a broad appeal that way. So on that subject then, you're
0: about to embark on your second international tour in October, I believe, with dates in both the UK and the US. So is that reflective of the geographic distribution of your audience?
3: Yeah. Weirdly, it's it's kind of shifted over time as the show has grown, but actually the majority of our, our audience resides in the US now. Mm. We've always tried to like you know, backtrack and figure out how that took place, whether it's kind of just the style of comedy that we have, I think is quite American, mm. uh, or even the, the, the interest in the paranormal is, uh, possibly more of a, more of a U.S. focused uh, subject, but it's, it's great. And I mean, being able to head out there in October this year and finally meet some of the U S fans and the people who listen to the show, it's just, it's going to be amazing. We, we can't wait.
1: What does a tour look like? Because as we said, you have a bit of everything in your podcast, something that's really tightly structured, and then others, which you can see would really lend itself to being in a live show. How close to the podcast is your
3: tour? It's kind of having our cake and eating it too. We, we want a show that resembles and has the same energy of the thing that everyone loves, but also There's a reason why you came to see it on stage. You know, we've been to see a lot of live podcasts before, and I think it's a really interesting space because there's kind of no rules for what you do. You know, Mm. I've gone to see live podcasts, and it is essentially the podcast live. It's a table, it's the chairs, and it's done just as I'll go to another one, and it's almost like a theater production. They've, they've, built in these live moments, there's crowd interaction, you know, it feels like this almost variety show that's really immersive. So I think we're always trying to strike the right balance between how do we make this something a fun and a really entertaining live show without uh, losing what people love about listening to the show weekly.
4: With, for example, the show we toured last year, we st- struck an interesting balance as Rory describes it, where we kind of did it uh, in two halves where the first half we did an investigation into a paranormal case local to the city we were in um, and trying to figure out whether it was true or not. Then we would take an intermission. And then we came back and basically tried to play a game of dice against a demon, which is a common theme (laughs) in our live shows. We've we've tried to summon multiple (laughs) demons on stage. We're not very good at it. It hasn't (laughs) happened yet.
3: It's quite, it's quite a funny thing because my mum is a very religious individual, and she's had to approach me a few times and say, "Rory, I don't think you should be doing this on stage." And I'm like, "I was like, look, mum, if if a demon shows up on that stage, we've got other problems. We've got other problems." (laughs) <laughs> our understanding of the fabric of the universe has changed okay so it's it's not i don't think the reviews are going to matter <laughs> listen <laughs>
0: demons is just a phase that every growing boy goes through <laughs>
3: yeah
4: you know <laughs> we're, we're late bloomers that's all it is
1: <laughs> and how interactive is the show the live show that you do
3: the last one was, was very interactive. We got people up from the audience as sacrifice, volunteers, sorry, <laughs> volunteers. <laughs> Sl- slip of the tongue there. It's hot in here. <laughs> as volunteers. And we said, you know, is there anyone in the audience you want to uh, say hi to or goodbye to um, before we proceed with the podcast? Nice. Uh, so it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I think we want to definitely keep that energy on this tour. We're trying to find ways to make it immersive, get the crowd involved and uh, and just, yeah, uh, ha- have a lot of fun with it.
0: Mm. The worlds of the paranormal and conspiracy theories are often quite closely linked. Do you ever worry that you might be veering into conspiracy theories or is that not something that that you guys worry about particularly?
3: That's a really, really good question because it's something that we are very conscious of. I think our style and our tone and the kind of subjects that we cover has been so well-defined now that it's something that we really don't worry about anymore. Uh, We know that there are paranormal podcasts out there with similar themes that do cover conspiracies and things like that, but we're very sensitive towards that. And I think it's a very complex situation to be in. I mean, even if you look at the genre of true crime in podcasting, and uh, i know that there's it's it's one of if not the biggest podcast genre in the entire world but there's still a lot of i think moral ambiguity when it comes to that you know covering murders that take place years ago where the family members who were affected are still alive and mm. i don't think that's always treated with you know the amount of professionalism or respect that it deserves and that's a similar approach that we have to podcasting is you know at the end of the day we're here to tell these fun stories and have a good time together. I think if you're someone who is interested in exploring the world of conspiracy theories, it can be a dangerous one, and it's something that we try and separate ourselves from. I
4: completely agree with that, and it's something we try to stay abreast of. And it's something that's great um, about having a team is you know bouncing off people. I mean, here's here's an example of there was years ago we were doing an episode, and it was totally totally innocuous, fun episode. And then during the process of creating it and putting it out, our editor hit us up. And I think some, I can't remember what event it was, but something tragic had transpired in the news, some some crazy event. And they just said, hey, there's like a couple of parallels here, like where it happened, whatever it was. We just, it was like, hop on a call. And we were just like, all right, pull it. Like, you know, we're not, we're never going to, never going to risk ever even remotely going there, you know?
3: Mm. And I think that's the 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 nice thing that our show can give to people is, you know, even when we're covering, you know, paranormal stuff or aliens and spooky stuff like that, because of the the tone of the show and the way we discuss it in such a kind of friendly lighthearted way, it promotes the idea to everyone listening who has this interest that it's not that serious, you know, these are lighthearted things. It's not something that you need to get obsessed with or go down these rabbit holes. There's a fun way to talk about them where we can all have a good time.
0: And where do you guys find the topics to talk about? Because obviously the paranormal is a, a pretty vast area and it's, it's not necessarily something that's reported on a great deal. I mean, you've got places like Fortean Times, which has been running for decades now, I think. But aside from that, I'm not sure where you would go as a sort of first
3: port of call. Uh, have you seen the show? Do you know the show Supermarket Sweep? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I was I like, do. I
1: hope I've seen this show that he's about to make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> <Day>, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> So every week we'll just kind of uh, break into various government buildings grabbing as much random papers and folders as we can and make it out the other side and just kind of work with what
4: we got you know Just just go to the Library of Congress and right click download and just start sifting It's actually worked beautifully because in the beginning when we had a smaller audience you know there was a little bit more legwork on mine and Rory's part to find those cases but because we were starting out it was like uh, there are so many just iconic, you know, and well-known, well-documented, hilarious stories. I think one of our first episodes ever uh, is the man who punched Bigfoot. And it's a the story, uh, the police report of a guy who got into a physical fist fight with Bigfoot. <laughs> the stories truly wrote themselves. <laughs> yeah. But then as our audience got bigger, you know, from the very beginning, we were saying to them like, hey, we, we want to know what you guys know about, e- email us. And and uh, you know. 300 plus episodes later, we've been calling that email address out every week. It's just been a treasure trove of people all around the world sharing, you know, people from Indonesia being like, you never done a story in Indonesia. You got to tell mm. this one, you know, yeah, their local stories.
1: We spoke to Hannah and Saruti from Red Handed yeah. recently, who've just done a sort of offshoot filthy ritual of their podcast. 6 part investigative series. And is that something that's ever appealed to you? Because there must be so many things that you've covered that you think actually we could do endless amounts of content on this. Is that ever something that you would do in your future?
3: Yeah, we've we've talked about it before. Um, I mean, they're they're the absolute queens of true crime. You know, they've got the format absolutely perfected, and we've talked about it uh, before. You know, ourselves whether it's spinning off into smaller kind of guest series of the show where we get people on to talk about their own experiences or stories that they know about, or these kind of hyper focused series on one specific story. But I think also, you know, because as I said, Kit and I've been working together in so many different ways. We also just get so excited about staying in the podcast world, but with new IPs, whether that's you know paranormal or shorter running series, stepping into the world of audio fiction, other comedy podcasts. I think there's there's so much that we're excited to do together. I think when it's about the paranormal, it'll mostly be on the, this Paranormal Life show because that's just our home for that interest. But we're really excited in the in the next year or two to yeah branch out a little bit and see what else we want to do.
2: Mm.
0: So I'd like to talk about video a little bit because that's something that you guys have recently, I want to say, branched out into. Tell us about why you decided to, to make that jump and also how you've had to adapt video to the format of the show because as you say it's quite high production values on the audio side. Is that something that translates to the visuals at all?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean the, the reason we started is because Kit and I were put under house arrest by the UK <laughs> government. Um so we had to have video proof. We were in the country at all times, of course, <laughs> just because we had disclosed so many confidential secrets. <laughs> so we thought, hey, we're we're filming ourselves uh, as long as we can you know, cut out the beep of the ankle bracelet. We might as well turn these into some social videos, you know? But it's been it's been a real kind of passion project for I think for both of us, uh getting Phil in as our editor slash video editor. We knew for a long time that we wanted to build a set and have a studio and give kind of a a look to the show. And also, you know, as you guys know, looking at the, the podcast industry and the areas that it's grown—video and YouTube and live streams—there's such a, a huge part of it now. It was a bit of future proofing as well. It's like we want to be able to exist healthily on all of these platforms and all these forms, and it's also a great way to put a look to the show. I mean, I listen to so many podcasts, and uh, I could walk right past the hosts tomorrow, mm. and I wouldn't—I wouldn't even know. So it was a great way for, for us to kind of get ourselves out there and, and yeah, give a, a real look to the show.
4: Yeah, it's kind of a a combination thing, isn't it? Where, you know, part of you wants to, like you say, Rory, you know, create a visual element to the show and hopefully reap some of the rewards in terms of growth, you know, get out there on social media. It's really the, the number one issue, right, with podcasting is it's difficult to share, difficult to share moments of it. Video makes that so much easier. But part of it was you know, we're doing a comedy podcast with these, what we feel every week, there's always like, you know, whenever we hit stop on the on the Zoom recorder at the end of an episode, there's always that like moment where we look look at each other and we're like, oh man, that that, that bit about Doritos, oh my, holy <laughs> moly, you know, that's gonna, that's, I'm gonna crack up when I'm editing that bit. And that kind of went on long enough where we were like, man, we gotta be, find a way of sharing our favorite moments. Mm. So, th- so that's been cool too, you know, it's not just, business development, but it is also like, definitely our fans absolutely want to be able to easily relive those, pull up our Instagram feed, pull up our YouTube feed. And, uh, and you know, it, we've, we've seen it ourselves, you know, with the podcast we listen to, I love, you know, listening to my favorite podcasts and then sometimes the conversation is so, so damn good. You're like, I got to pull up the YouTube and, and see what was going on in the room.
3: We've actually had fans and listeners of the podcast before animate the show in different forms, whether it's kind of cartoon. We had someone doing claymations oh, wow. nice. uh, for a while. That takes a very long time. <laughs> it, oh, my God. It's amazing as well. I mean, it's just you, you see these things and it's it's kind of, you know, when you're making a podcast and recording in a room and you just hit that upload button and you're just trusting the number on a screen to... Mm-hmm tell you that people are listening to it and connecting to it in the world. But when you see these, these things that fans make, whether it's, you know, artwork or animations or anything, it just, it blows you away and just gives you a little insight into, you know, how your art is connecting with people and is, is genuinely no better feeling in the world. It, and it's something that we try and do all the time, whether we're making... Artwork for tour posters or merchandise for the store. We always look first at the community and try and work with people who enjoy the show and know what we're talking about and give them a chance to kind of be involved in the creativity.
0: Hmm. Just as a sidebar, speaking of the tour poster, I do love the poster for your upcoming tour as well as the name. So it's the uh, the Flat World Tour, which I just I really take all <laughs> the <ultimate. laughs>
3: Yes. Yeah. We worked with an amazing artist called Christine Lang to to develop that poster. And the, the idea was essentially the Flat World Tour filled with a ton of little Easter eggs and references from podcasts and episodes we've, we've done in the past. And she absolutely smashed it. It looks amazing. We're so happy with it.
1: You mentioned earlier that you had won a British Podcast Awards, but you also won an Irish Podcast Award. Is that right?
4: That's exactly right. Yeah.
1: How do you think that the Irish podcast market has kind of changed and developed over the past few years? Because you were talking about how niche podcasting was a few years ago. Do you notice the same sort of trends in Irish podcasts as in British?
3: That's a really good question. I would say when we were were nominated for the award last year, I believe it was myself and Kit, Flew over for the awards and it was amazing. It was such an incredible night. I think there's a lot of Irish podcasts and Irish podcast production companies that Mm. even I was unaware of. So I was quite rudely the entire night, basically taking notes on my phone. He's like, <laughs> I "Have to listen to this podcast. Oh, have to email these people. Oh, have to check these guys out." There yeah. was it was just a whole night of uh, learning about how much this industry is booming over in Ireland, which is amazing. I was so excited to to meet all these people who were just crushing it over there. It was an amazing night.
4: Yeah, to answer the question of, does it feel like some of the same developments are happening, the same trends happening? I think it probably is the case. It, it it did feel as if, I mean, the Irish podcast awards have obviously been going less time, less years than the British ones. So the awards itself was always going to look a little different, but it did maybe feel as though, uh, you know, we've obviously seen since COVID in the UK, you know, there's a huge influx of like celebrity hosted podcasts. And, and we saw massive podcast hosting deals and stuff like that going on because Ireland is probably similar to lots of other like European countries where it's a smaller market, but it is, is English speaking. So I don't know if you've seen that same, like almost gold rush vibe of uh, huge talent moving in. But with that, that being said, you know, there is big names in terms of, you know, my therapist goes to me, I know they were nominated on the night and, and I mean, they're doing arenas in Dublin And I think in our category, I'm trying to remember who we were beaten by. I think who beat us to the goal was Hector, Tommy and Loretta. And, you know, those are comedians and TV people, but it it felt very vibrant. It was very cool, actually, because it almost felt like because it was the early years of the Irish Podcast Awards, it did feel a little bit like the early years of the British Podcast Awards, where Mm. it was a heavy representation of quite independent shows as well. And I think yes. some of the big winners on the night, I seem to remember, were not existing huge talent, you know, people who were just podcast first, you know.
3: One of the uh, main differences between the shows, I think, was just the, the quantity of Guinness uh, <laughs> being, <laughs> being consumed on the night.
0: <laughs> when do you kick off the tour and how does the schedule of it break down for you? Because you're going to the U.S. first? That's
3: right. We're heading to the U.S. on the, the 4th of October and basically over the next uh, week or so we're hitting up LA, San Francisco, New York, Boston and Chicago and we've tried to split it up so that there's there's time in the cities for kind of exploration if there's any additional content we want to shoot so it shouldn't be too painful a trip.
4: Yeah, and then we hop over after that then to do Belfast I think first and then uh Glasgow, Manchester and Finally, London, which will be our biggest live show yet in the Hackney empire.
3: Mm.
1: Where it all started, right? Hackney, is that where you started?
4: Exactly right. Yeah. And 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 we've got our, our studio in Hackney to this day. So yeah, it is. It's not, not where we were born, but it's definitely the home of this paranormal life. Yeah.
1: Love that. Kit and Rory, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been really fun.
3: Thank you so much for having this. It's always an absolute joy, not just to talk about the paranormal, but to talk about podcasts. You know, Kit and I have been doing this now kind of accidentally for five years. We love talking about, you know, the industry and the production and the creativity that goes into it. So we've had a lot of fun today. So thank you for having us.
4: Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Our pleasure.
1: So that was Kit and Rory from This Paranormal Life. Really love that. A lot of fun, a lot of laughing. I like they don't take themselves too seriously, but they're clearly so invested in the medium of podcasting, which is always lovely to hear. What did you think, Adam?
0: Yeah, the conspiracy theory angle was really interesting for me, the fact that that's something that they consciously sort of steer away from because I feel like it would be so easy for a paranormal podcast to end up sort of with one foot in the conspiracy camp. And, you know, as anyone who knows anything about conspiracy theories will tell you, that is a dicey camp to have a foot in. Uh, so I think it's it's interesting and commendable uh, that they consciously avoid that
1: it also seems like they have to keep a lot of different audiences happy and it you know that obviously does come quite organically but if you do listen it is like a genuine mishmash of such different things such different tones and such different ideas and i kind of like what they were saying that people come for different things and they you know there are skeptics but there were also people who are true believers and they managed to walk that line really well because actually you do, it doesn't really matter whether or not they as hosts believe in these stories or not it's about the conversation and the retelling of the stories through a modern day lens
2: and i like that they made a point to say that it's not their place to judge anyone on whether yeah. their story is true or not mm. the fact that they're just retelling it and i think that for people who are really big believers, it would be horrible to actually send something and then have someone basically make fun of you for it.
0: One of the things that struck me when we were doing the research for this episode is the the 13k per month Patreon income that they get, which I was blown away by on the Facebook because it sounds like a lot when you kind of just look at that that raw number. Mm. But I was particularly interested to hear how they reinvest it into the podcast. And it does really illustrate that for a professional podcast, the costs involved in running that do mount up once you've been doing it for a couple of years. You know, they've got not just the things you'd expect, like, you know, studio costs and an editor and all the video stuff, but stuff like having a researcher and whatnot, you know, and red handed as well. we saying the same thing, you know, having that resource in terms of people power to actually do the legwork of pulling the episodes together and whatnot is so crucial. It's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it, you've either got to have support or it's got to be a real labor of love.
1: Yeah, investing in yourself is like a I think quite a difficult thing if you've come from a traditional job to then going mm-hmm. freelance, you're getting this money but then to reinvest it back into that company to make your podcast better in the long term, I think is always quite scary but it sounds like it usually pays off dividends like yeah. you know that that's always the best thing to do because the quality is always going to be better. Well, you can hear so much more tips and advice on how to make your podcast better on podpod.com. Do sign up to our daily email bulletins for all of those bits of news. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Kit and Rory for joining us today. And of course, to my wonderful co-hosts Reem and Adam. The podcast is produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media. And I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon. I'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>